Just a short reading from God's Word this morning. We're turning to the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Mark in chapter 1. And we're going to be reading from the verse 40 uh, to 45. The book of Mark in chapter 1 and verse 40 to 45. And this is the word of the Lord. And it says, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. Amen. Be uh, this morning. Uh, my name is Wesley Brewer. Uh, I'm originally from Cumbria, uh, near the Lake District. Should we just start with a word of prayer very quickly? Our gracious and heavenly Father, we just do thank you. We thank you for your Son, uh, your only begotten Son, Lord. We thank you that Christ willingly went to the cross at Calvary. And we just pray, O oh God, that you may be glorified. Uh, in all of this today, O oh God, that you may be exalted, O oh God, and that we may decrease and you will increase, we pray in the Saviour's name. Amen. So I want you just to think about a glass jug. Just imagine you've got a glass jug just on this pulpit here. Let's say that represents your life. And you do many good things. You say you're a good person. That's like adding water to this glass jug. And you're a very good person, you keep adding water and water to it. But then you do something amiss, something minute, you say, just a white lie maybe. That's like adding a couple of drops of poison in there. What does that do? Well, it mixes in, doesn't it? It pollutes the water. But you say, it's okay, I'll outweigh the balance, I'll do more good stuff. And you add more and more water, you add more and more good deeds. And this goes on and on, but then you slip up again. You do something amiss again, and a few more drops of poison go in that jug. Uh, and then you do more good deeds, and so on and so on, until you get to the end of your life. The jug is filled. Would you drink it? Could I ask you? It'll only slightly kill you. A anyone in the right mind would say, no, wouldn't they? So what I want to do this morning, I want to try and use this illustration to show that the cleansing power of Christ, how we cannot remove the poison from the jug, but there is a man that can. So if you have your Bibles, it'd be great if you followed along. I just want to go verse by verse really through this, uh, this passage. And this is a story of the leper. Now first, I must make clear, in the Bible there is no leper ever healed. Every single leper in the Bible is cleansed. There's a difference, you see. There's a, a restoring element within cleansing. 
And I want to try and apply this, this old story to us today. Uh, and you'll have to bear with me as I try and do this. Uh, so th- this, to give you a bit of context, comes earlier on in Christ's ministry. Christ is, is in the area of Galilee, uh, around the northern part of Israel, around the, the Lake of Galilee, obviously. And this is his early ministry. This is the, the, the third of his three demonstrations of power. His first demonstration of power was casting out of the demons. The second demonstration of power was healing the sick in Peter's mother-in-law. And then we get this one we're looking at today, the cleansing of the leper. Just imagine the scenes, though, that Christ has just healed Peter's mother-in-law. The evening has drawn in. Christ has gone to his room, gone to his bed, gone to sleep. He is awoke the next day, early, before anyone else. Uh, and, he, and he's, he's gone out. And he's gone out probably uh, to Capernaum. Verse 21 tells us that. Uh, and, he, and verse 33 tells us he left early to pray. Uh, and he was on the outskirts. Well, that's where the lepers were. Lepers were cast out. They, were, they lived on the outskirts of society, on the outer wall. Well, let's jump straight into the text, should we, at verse 40. A leper comes to Christ, or a person with leprosy. A person with leprosy, you say, what is leprosy? Well, a leprosy is a disease. There's several types of leprosy, but this is generally believed, this is Hansen's disease here. Now, what Hansen's disease does, it kills the nerves within inside of you. So, this Hansen's disease, or leprosy, it doesn't kill you, but it's a means of being killed. Something else usually kills you. For, for a imagination's sake you could pick up something very sharp and not know it's sharp if you've got no nerves or something heavy and your imagination is probably running wild to the extremes of what it could be what it does it disforms limbs it disforms a person's appearance it makes a person somewhat unrecognizable this man was so infected there wasn't a single percentage of him that was cleansed these outer boils as well, all of him was contaminated, like that glass jug. But we're infected with something, aren't we? We're infected with a a thing called sin. What is sin? Well, the the real definition of sin is, is missing the mark. The mark is God's standard, Christ's standard of perfection. And we fall short of it each time, don't we? Uh, and we've, we miss the, the standard of perfection. And that makes us somewhat unrecognizable to God. For in Genesis 1.27 it says, So God created man in his own image. And we all know the story then. Adam and Eve, they ate from the tree. Uh, and, and they brought sin into the world. They somewhat broke or corrupted the image of God in man. Breaking the union between man and God. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But maybe you don't like that fact. Maybe that's a hard pill to swallow. Let me just ask you, and please honestly ask, honestly answer these questions to yourself. Have you thought a hateful thought of someone? The Bible says you've committed murder within your own heart. Ever looked upon a person with lust? The Bible says you've committed adultery within your own heart. Small white lie, ever done one? That's a big thing in God's sight, that's sin. 
These questions, they demand an answer, don't they? And I'm not here to beat you up or, 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 or to try and attack you. But to order to find the cure, we must look at the problem, mustn't we? The Bible tells us the answer to those questions, though. There is none righteous. No, not one. The leper couldn't cleanse himself as he realizes he's unable to do anything about this leprosy. But you see, the leper holds the answers for us. The leper knows who can cleanse him. And his name is Christ. And we learn from the, uh, from the end of verse 40. It says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. We learn a few things here, don't we? The leper knows and believes Christ. As it says, if you are willing. You see, that implies that he realizes the power of Christ. He's heard and seen the teachings and the miracles of Jesus and what he's doing. He realizes that this man, Jesus, is the coming king. He's the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one. And he realizes this. And the leper has faith, doesn't he? That's another thing we learn from that. The leper comes to him by faith. Even though he broke the law to come to Christ, didn't he? As a leper, you're meant to stand or to sit and shout, unclean, unclean. But the leper was so desperate to get to Christ, he was coming to Christ, whatever means. And he comes to Christ, and verse 40, what does he tell us? He comes humbly. He kneels down, doesn't he? Other uh, accounts tell of, of this leper lying prostrate on the floor with his head in the sand. See, the leper comes humbly by faith. This principle applies to us, doesn't it? If we're to come to Christ, we have to come humbly. As we realize he's the king of kings, and as we realize we're the chief of, of sinners, that should humble us, shouldn't it? And we come by faith. We, we take the step of faith. But what does that mean? What do I put my faith into? Well, you put your faith, or put your complete trust, in other words, in the finished work of Christ. Well, what is the finished work of Christ? Well, it's the active work of Christ, the, uh, the incarnation that God became man, Emmanuel, God with us. His life, as he lived a perfect, sinless, spotless life, as he knew no sin. And then his passive work, his death on a cross, uh, as he died and, and took the wrath of, uh, of God was laid upon him. The sins of, the, uh, of our sins was laid upon him. He was beaten for our transgressions, wounded for our iniquity. The chastisement of peace was upon his shoulders. You see, Christ took our place on the cross. And that's what we put our faith into. But not only that, but the resurrection as he arose triumphant, victorious, from the grave. And this is what we put our faith into, into the finished work of Christ, incarnation, life, death, and resurrection. Ephesians 2.8 tells us, For by grace have we been saved through faith, not of yourselves, for it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man shall boast. But you say to me, how do I come to Christ? How do I be cleansed by Christ? And I say, you've got to come to him Acknowledge that he's Lord. Make him Lord and ask him to forgive you. Ask him to forgive you of all unrighteousness. And what's Christ's response in verse 41? I am willing to be cleansed. We learn two things here as well, don't we? 
We see the willingness of Christ and we see the power of Christ in doing so, in cleansing him. Christ not only uh, willingly cleanses the man, but he willingly went to the cross for us, didn't he? He willingly became a bond servant for us. He willingly made himself a little lower than the angels in order to make an atonement for us, to somewhat unite man back to God, to restore the image of God into man and one day fully restored when we get to glory. At the cross, you see the willingness of Christ, don't you? But at the resurrection, you see the power of Christ is in full display, isn't it? All to make a right standing for man to be with God. Christ's power was displayed over sin, as he knew no sin, wasn't it? He he has power over temptation as he never entered into temptation, didn't he? He had power over the demons as he cast them out of people. He has power over nature as he calmed the storms and stilled the seas. Well, you say to me, of course he has power, for he was God, is he not? And that's right. He had power, and yet he made himself a little lower than the angels, but he still had power and authority over them, didn't he? Christ's power of love was displayed at the cross. The power of Christ was in full splendor at the resurrection. The result of his power is forgiveness of sins for whosoever believes upon him. And he has power to love the unloving, like me and like you. And then uh, what happens to the leper? Verses 42. As soon as he has spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. What do we see? We see the immediate results of him being cleansed. What is he? He's he's cleansed, he's transformed, he's restored. You could say he was saved, wasn't he? Because this, uh, this leprosy was going to be the means of something killing him. And he was saved. The immediate results of a person putting their faith in Christ And becoming a Christian is that you're cleansed. Your sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. We are justified, in other words, to become legally right in God's sight. You see, when you become a Christian, you are immediately justified, immediately adopted, immediately become heirs to the kingdom of God, immediately have a place reserved for you in heaven, immediately are you children of God. And then... Christ warns the leper in verse uh, 43 uh, about not telling people. This is called the Messianic secret. And just to sort of plough through this verse very quickly, this is in order Jesus is concerned uh, of the Jewish leaders, of the scribes and the Pharisees. If they were to find out uh, about Jesus claiming to be the Messiah, they would want to, to imprison or execute him at the wrong time. And Christ was conscious that Scripture would be fulfilled. But then, verse 44, Jesus tells us, or Jesus tells, sorry, the uh, the man to go see the priest. What's that for? It's for confirmation. The priest would examine him and see, you are cleansed. You are able to come back into society, to bring him back into, or restore him back to what he was. If we accept Christ's 
we receive confirmation, don't we? We don't have to have confirmation from a priest. We don't do that anymore. We receive confirmation with the Holy Spirit. Or in other words, the helper who comes within us and, and lives within us and dwells within us and guides us and leads us through life. Ephesians 1.13 says, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is our confirmation. You can't be cleansed and, and not receive the Holy Spirit. You can't become a Christian and not receive the Holy Spirit. And you can't receive the Holy Spirit unless you're cleansed. To tell you a, a quick story, I have a friend back at home, back in Cumbria. He, he's, well, he's about 75, and I used to work with him as a chef. And really nice fella. Uh, but he wasn't a Christian, and I, and I started encouraging him to come to church a bit. Eventually, he, he agreed to, and he loved it, and he kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. Until one day, he says he, he wants to become a Christian. And this is great. And he becomes a Christian, he... he and everything looks good. And I, and I give him a Bible and, and just show him how to read it and, and, and how to go through it. And so I just show him and explain to him the importance of, of, of reading your Bible and praying. Because that's a spiritual food of a Christian, is it not? And as I tell him this, he, he's nodding away and he does it. And he goes away and, and for many weeks he does this. And then it stops. And, and after some time, it completely stops reading his Bible. He completely stops praying. And this concerns me. Uh, and I prayed for him and I prayed the Lord would confirm it to me. And you know, after many months, he came to me and he says, Hey, Wes, I've started reading my Bible again. I've started praying again. I says, well, Why is that, Arnie? And he says, A small voice inside of me told me I needed to. What was that? The still small voice of the Lord. That was confirmation to me that that man was saved. Moving on to verse 45. It says, He went out and began to proclaim freely. He can somewhat sympathize with the, with the leper, can't you? He, he's been restored, uh, cleansed, physically, socially. You'd want to tell people, would you not? You, you, you're back into society He'd be leaping for joy. Surely uh, he'd be running to all his friends, his family, to tell them. Though it was still wrong for him to disobey Christ, uh, you can sympathize with him. But what does Jesus do? What does Jesus command us to do now? Go and make disciples of all nations. He's commanded us to go and proclaim the good news. To share this good news too, for the proclamation of the gospel. And as this leper was cleansed and he went out and proclaimed it, shouldn't we surely do that, Christian? We haven't just been physically cleansed, but we've been spiritually cleansed. He had his life back. We have an eternal life. Is that not far greater? So why are we not telling people? You see, when you become a Christian... The outworkings of that is you proclaim it. You tell people what it's meant to be. You see, it's the fruit is, is the proclaiming. The fruit, or, or, or the fruit is good deeds and proclaiming the good news. We haven't just gone from ill to healthy, but we've gone from dead to alive, haven't we? 
We haven't just gone from one way to another, but we've gone from a sinner to a saint. We haven't just gone uh, from being a leper, but we've gone from the, the highway to hell to the narrow road to glory, haven't we? But then why do we find so few people telling people about this good news? To, to, to try and explain it better, we have to use an illustration of, of, of the fire being our salvation. By faith alone, grace alone are we saved. And what does fire produce? Well, it produces smoke, doesn't it? You can't have fire without smoke. The smoke being the good works, the good deeds, the smoke being proclaiming the good news. And a smoke doesn't produce fire just as you can't have fire without smoke. So we should be sharing the good, this good news. And the good news being, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes upon him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then we learn from the middle of verse 45, Christ couldn't openly enter the city. This was fear of the Jewish leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees again. You see, the Bible tells us if we're to become a Christian, if we're to follow Christ, we're to expect there to be a rejection by the world, to even be hated by the world. You see, how do we work out the, the cost of following Christ, yet being a Christian and salvation is free? Well, you see, you can't accept something when your hands are full. When, you're a, when you become a Christian or, or, you, or you go to go. To be a Christian, what you have to do, you have to lay aside, put aside whatever is in your hands. I have a, a friend back at home as well, who's Paul, his name's Paul, and Paul recently became a Christian. Now Paul, he was a Freemason, and he realised as a Freemason, he had to put that aside. Not just put it aside, but discard it, throw it away so he could accept this great gift of salvation. You see, it's this free gift, but there's a cost of letting go of the cost. And I don't know what it may cost you. It may cost you your identity. It may cost you your friends, family. But I tell you, it's the greatest cost you'll ever pay. But there's also a cost in not following Christ. You know, you'll never know the joy and the peace that Christ brings. You'll never... Be satisfied. You know that hole with inside you that you try to fill with the things of this world, with the things of, of, of a, a future career, vehicles, cars, whatever it might be. And you try and fill this, this void, this hole with inside of you. And you can't, can you? It doesn't bring you satisfaction. Only Christ does. Fill the God-shaped hole with God. And it's only God that can bring satisfaction. And it may cost you, but there's even a greater cost to what I've just said of not following Christ. And that's a place called hell. That's the cost of not following Christ. And then what do we read in verse 45? They came to him from every direction. Is that not what we want as Christians? Do we not want people to come to him from every direction? I'm not saying they'll, they'll come in droves, but I'm saying if we're faithful in this, people will come from every direction. Nearly every country in the world is a Christian. 
Every continent there is a Christian. There's people coming to Christ from everywhere, from every direction. This is the, the ultimate result, is it not, what we want? We want people to come from every direction to Christ, do we not? So in conclusion, probably the words you've been looking for, do you want to be cleansed? Do you want to be cleansed by Christ? Well, you have to come to him. You have to accept him as Lord and Saviour because we realise we're a sinner. We've, re- we've established that and we come to him by faith, humbly, and he is willing to cleanse us. He has power to cleanse us. He is able to cleanse us. We receive the Holy Spirit that guides and helps us through life. Then we should be surely proclaiming it. That should be the outworkings of that then. It may, will cost us in one form or another. And what will happen? If we're faithfulness, people will come from every direction. In the ones and the twos, maybe. But if we're faithful in that, they'll come to him. You know what the Bible tells me? It tells me today is the day of salvation. It tells me if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and he will forgive you of all unrighteousness, won't he? The Bible says that uh, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes upon him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You see... You put your faith in this. You put your faith in Christ. You come to Christ. He's able to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. To remove your sins as far as the east is from the west. To to get this jug that we were imagining at the beginning and to remove that poison and make you still perfect sparkling water. He's able to do that. And you'll be accepted into heaven, into glory that day. You'll have the image of God restored to you. And being restored to you. If you don't make the decision to follow Christ, you know, someone else will make the decision. Time will make the decision for you. You say, maybe not today, maybe another day. Well, if you can't decide whether to get on a plane or not, what will happen? You'll see the plane running down the runway. Time has made the decision for you. And the Bible says, today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. Why don't you come to him? Ask him to forgive you and and, and make him Lord of your life and and come to know him as your Lord and Saviour. Let me just close with a word of prayer. Our gracious God, we we do thank you for your your living word. We thank you, O God, for your son, though. We thank you, O God, your, your son so loves us that he died for us. We thank you, O oh God, that you so loved us, that you planned it, Lord. We thank you that the Holy Spirit dwells within us if we know you. And we pray if anyone here doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, they may come and confess Jesus is Lord. Lord, we just pray that you'll be speaking and dealing uh, with people this morning, we pray in the Savior's name. Amen.